You may be seated. Good morning all. Welcome to today's special service. I call it special because every Sunday is special. And when we come to God, it is a very special place to be. This morning, we are going to continue in the book, the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 28, 1 to end. And the theme of this message is grace to grass. As you can see, we have been on this beautiful book for over a year now. And within this period, we have seen the rising profile of David, as well as epic declining profile of King Saul. David from a nobody to somebody, and Saul from somebody to nobody. David from peasant warrior, peasant to warrior, and the king in waiting. Saul from a glorious kingship to shame. David from grass to grace. And Saul from grace to grass. And we can rightly equate or attribute these two opposite profiles to the corresponding relationship of these two individuals with God. And previously in chapter 26, we saw a demonstration of mercy born out of fear of the Lord as David spared Saul's life the second time. Incidentally, that was the last meeting between Saul and David. Last Sunday, as Brian led us through chapter 27, we saw manifestation of fear born out of total lack of total trust in God as David goes on exile and dwelled with Achish at Gath. He was a man after God's own heart, and yet he had his faults, which are recorded here, not for our imitation, but for our admonitions. To his, own, to his dishonor, he deserted his own country, went and dwelt with the Phoenicians, and lied to Achish concerning his secret missions. As one commentator put it, when we, we may acquit him of injustice and cruelty in this action, because those people whom he cut off were such as heaven had long since doomed to destruction. And he that did it was one whom heaven had ordained to dominion. So that the thing was very fit to be done and he was very fit to do it. It was not for him that was anointed to fight the battle of Lord to sit still in sloth, 
however he might think fit to retire. He desired to be saved from Saul, only that he might expose himself for Israel. He avenged an old quarrel that God had with these nations, and at the same time, fetching provisions for himself and his army. For by their swords, they must live. The Amalekites were to be all cut off, probably because the Geshurites and Gezerites were branches of Amalek. Saul was rejected for sparing them. David made up the deficiency of his, disobedience, of his obedience before he succeeded. Father, Lord, I thank you this morning as we've come before thy throne of grace, O oh Lord, I pray that you forgive our shortcomings. Be with us, condition our hearts, that your word may be sown in our hearts and, bear, and germinate and bear fruits. Blessed be your name as you lead us. Amen. So, like I said, it is from grace to grass. Falling from grace to grass. In the introductions, it's just to give us a head up and also to remind us where, he, where we have been how long we have been in this book, even though we still have some few chapters to go. But it's good to understand and to reflect, to see where they started, David and Saul, where they are at the moment and where they are going. So all these things, all these illustrations, all this I have said is just to tell us that a lot has happened within this period. And God has been doing his own things the way he wants it. And um, in concluding this, we are going to see the parts that David played and also Saul as the king of Israel. According to what, in continuation to what I've said, David's move to Philistine's territory not only delivered him from the immediate danger of Saul, it also provided him an opportunity for further development of his leadership and military skills. It also offered him great opportunity to acquire geographical knowledge of the region, which will serve him well during his later Philistine war. Confirming that when you trust in Christ Jesus, he perfects your imperfections and sets you on the right path of success according to his own divine will for your life. This morning we are going to look 
at the abysmal fall from grace to grass of King Saul, the first monarchical ruler of Israel, the son of Kish, a wealthy and a courageous military leader of the tribe of Benjamin. Please go with me to the book of First Samuel, chapter 28. Saul consults medium. Twenty-eight. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. Nakish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians, guardians forever. Now, Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah, in his own city. And Saul had put Medium and the Spiritists out of the land. Then Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped in Geber. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim, or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes. And he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a sins for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul had done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spirits from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, he cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, What is his form? 
And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophet nor by dream. Therefore I have called you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has turned the kingdom out of your hands and have given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your ex nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full, full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day, all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservants, and let me set a piece of bread before you, and eat that you may have strength when you go your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat, and urged him. And so his servants, together with the, with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul, his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. Praise the Lord. For us to understand this better, we need to understand what medium is and what it's all about. Although many people report having contacts with disease, mediums are people who report having this experience regularly, reliably, and on demand and who share specific resulting messages with living people called sitters during an event called a reading. I repeat, 
Although many people report having had contact with the disease, medium are people who report having these experiences regularly, reliably, and on demand, and who shares the specific resulting messages which with the living people called sitters during an event called readings. According to article in crossworld.com, mediums, spiritists, channelers, fortune tellers, and psychics abound in our times. They can be reached through every form of media. Many people are tempted to turn to mediums in terms of loss and grief, out of strong desire to hear from a loved one. In times of transition or confusion, to help make life decisions, or out of loneliness and desperation, when life had just come to become too much of a challenge and people are not reaching their goals. What he's saying is that um, mediums or the spiritists, whatever they call themselves, they are the ones that parade themselves as having the power, as having the knowledge to foretell, to divine, to connect, to call up the spirit of those that has passed beyond. And it is as it was in those days, it is still in the now. People, even in these days, are still consulting mediums. People still go to spiritists. People still go to fortune tellers. Even now, as it was in the days of Saul. What does the Bible say about medium? And why must we be careful to obey? We should exercise cautions and heed the Bible's warning about medium. First, we know that Satan is a liar and a deceiver. Jesus, in his, in his own words, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. John 8, 44. There are many deceptive practices in our times, and we need to be on the lookout for them. Second, we know that part of his deception is to come to people in a beautiful form, as we are warned by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14. 
And no wonder for Satan to transform himself into an angel of light. Mediums and chancellors and channelers are often skillful at looking like the light in times of darkness. They are skillful in their deception and they will portray the image of what they are not. They will try, they will project themselves as light while they are darkness. They will project themselves as solution while they are the problems. Therefore, there is no need, there is no point to consult or to approach a medium or a soothsayer for whatever reasons. In our days, we can see that a lot of things have changed. The mediums, the spirits, the witchcrafts, or whatever they call themselves, even their dressings and their place of their, um, even if it's their office or whatever, looks like them. Very dirty, very scary. But these days, they have upgraded. Many of them have changed from the way they dress. They can put on the robes, you know, like priests. They can knot their tie and their suit. They can look elegant, attractive. But in the end, their, their skill remains with them. They will never give you the solution. They will never have answer to your problems. Even if they do, they will compound the problem instead of solving it. There was this book we read when we were in secondary school it is called The Gods Are Not to Blame. The setting was in a tribe in Nigeria called the Yorubas. So this tribe of people, they have a culture in those days that when a child is born, they will, they will do what they call divinations, which means they will take the, the child to a spiritist or a medium or whatever they call it. Now, this person now will divine the future of this young baby, this baby. So in this case, that book, The, the Gods Are Not to Blame, this child was taken to, to the uh, medium or the spiritist and they, they said that, he, this child, that the, the child will grow to kill his father and marry his mother. And it was like a taboo. Then the solution was, the, the, the question was what will be the solution 
So the spirit is said he must be killed. This was an innocent baby. But he came, according to the divination, he came with this kind of awful future. So they decided that he must be killed. And because the father was a king, this baby was given to, the, to one of the servants to go, you know, to go and kill, or whether it's for sacrifice or whatever. Now in the process of time, this guy, this servant, he had compassion for this young baby. Now instead of killing him, he sold it to a hunter. The family is an aged family. They, had, they were childless, so they were happy to receive him. Now, in the course of time, this child grew, and it was in a different, different village or, or country or whatever. So to him, he was a native of that village. So now there was a war between these two villages. He, he arose, he, he came from, he defeated the enemies. He, in the process of time, he killed the king of this other village, which naturally was his father. And according to the, according to the traditions, when you, oh sorry, there was a war between them, not between the two villages, but he helped this very village to fight against their enemy, and he defeated them. He became a warrior in this, in this where supposed to be his natural, natural, uh, or rather native village. He became, he was a stranger there, but he became a warrior. And in the process of time, there was a, um, uh, in the process of time, I think the father or the, the king died. And because they have no children, he was to replace them. He was being a hero, a warrior. He was to inherit that. I think I'm, I can't understand. It's been a long time, but I'm just trying to. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say, in the end, he came back and ascended the throne. Now, one of the criteria is you will inherit everything, including the wife of the former king, which was his mother, natural mother. She became his wife. And as a result, a lot of things begin to happen in that village. People started dying. A lot of strange things began to happen. Then they went back for divination. And the oracle told them that the king, which is now the king, that he killed his father and married his mother. So somehow he came back to fulfill that. But he was there was confusion there. The confusion was that if he was allowed to grow up in his own home, 
That shouldn't have happened. But because of the divination, he was, he became a stranger in his own country, in his own home, and turned around to fulfill the divination. And that's why they say the gods are not to blame. They use the people's mind. They confuse them. And at the end of the day, things may happen the way they say it. So it's all about confusion. They will not tell you something straight. Mediums, spiritists cannot give you anything. They don't have answer to your, to your problems. They don't have solution to all your problems. They are full of confusion, they are full of lies. That is exactly what happened. King Saul, earlier in his reign, he has rightly expelled the mediums, the spirits, the soothsayers, the witches. Now Samuel had died and Saul is suddenly full of fear of the Philistines. The war is now looming. And because of fear and confusion, because already he was confused, instead of turning to God for answer, for inquiry, he decided to look for a medium. Paul, rather Saul, was supposed, he was the king. He was not supposed to have any dealings with those, you know, such, with such people. These are the last class of people. He condescended to their level. He dressed like them. By the way, he said, he specifically, he asked for a woman, a medium. He did not say any man. I don't know whether men are not meant to be mediums or whatever, but he specifically asked for a woman and they recommended the winch offender. So when he went there, out of fear, he, he, he was to inquire about the outcome of the so-called war. That's the reason why he was going. And he wanted Samuel, that he had no regard when he was alive, to now come up and tell him what the solution will be. Fear is a very bad place to be, and is the worst state to make any decision. When you are not in the right frame of mind, when you are overcome with fear, the best thing to do is to go to God in prayer. The best place, to, the best thing to do is to go to God in prayer. Don't take any decision. Because the decision you take out of fear might come back to haunt you. The action you took when you are afraid 
might not be the best. This is somebody that was not already in the right frame of mind. The only thing he decided to do is to seek for solution where there is no solution. He seek, Saul seeks answer from God, but God had departed from him. So he hears nothing from God or God's prophets. The question would have been, why didn't he repent? Why didn't he repent and go to God? When we don't hear from God, it is a good time to examine our hearts and, lay and, and lives for confessed or rather unconfessed sins. When we pray, when we seek the face of God and feel that we are not, God is not there, we need to search, we need to do inward searching to see where the, where the problem is. If there is any unconfessed sin that is still in us, that is the, that is the, the right time to repent, the right time to ask for forgiveness. Saul did none of this. Instead, he asked his attendant where he might find a medium, and they let him know that one is living in Endor. Saul disguised himself and pays her a visit in the night under the cover of darkness. So many things happen under the guise of darkness. When the day is, when there is sunshine, when there is light, few things can take place. But in the night, that is when you see a lot of things. These mediums, these spirits, these principalities and powers, they are not comfortable with light because their ways are evil. They operate under the guise of the darkness. And that is when they are bold enough. So he went, to, he went there, he disguised himself and looked like them under the darkness. And Saul asked the medium to conjure up Samuel from the dead. Samuel appears and has a message for Saul that because of his disobedience and because the Lord has departed from him, tomorrow he and his sons will die in battle and Israel will be handed over to Philistines. At this point, the kingdom has already been given to David. Saul is weakened and terrified by, him, by this vision and does indeed meet his death in the battle the next day. Why Bible strongly condemned medium? One blogger, Laurie Stanley, she put it this way, that 
the Apostle Paul warned us in Ephesians chapter 6 that there is much at work in the spirit world. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, in the heavenly realms. Ephesians chapter 6 12. We don't have the eyes to see the work, and so we must trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The things that is happening in, the, in these realms, we do not have the eyes to see them because they are not physical. The only way is to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us, to open our eyes to see all these things. It's not physical. It is spiritual. Paul doesn't encourage us to engage in spiritism in order to understand this world, but instead to put on the full armor of God. These items, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, feet fitted with the readiness, that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, are our protections and the, our defense. These are all we need. Christians are not warned to avoid mediums and spirit because it is nonsense. No, it's not because it's nonsense. We are one. But it is power of darkness. There is real power behind this. We are not being warned to avoid this because it can, you know, we can just say it's nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. No, there is power. Remember? When Satan was cast, out, cast down, God did not take his power away from him. He's powerful. And if we are to contend with him one-on-one, -on -one, we cannot stand him. The only way you can withstand Satan is the gospel, the scripture, the word of God. Even though he knows about it, so that's the only way you can confront him. You cannot fight him physically because he's much more powerful than you even you think. So we are to be very, very serious about this. It is the realm of demons and we are not to call on demons for help and expect a good result. Never. Some people in one whatever what in a difficulty they will run to the mediums or console the soothsayers. Some people when when children are not coming, they go to the mediums. 
to inquire, to ask for. They have the power to give you what you want, what you desire. They have the power to answer your questions. They have the power to give you hope. But the question is, are they real? They are not real. At the end of the day, they will, they will add sorrow to that. It is quite opposite to that of God. When God blesses you, he adds no sorrow. But when, but when the when devil, I won't use the word bless, when he grants your desire, he adds a lot of sorrow to it. Sometimes, instead of solving the problem, they compound it. They multiply it. So there is power. The demon has power. You can see that Samuel was called upon through this power. Samuel came up. Saul got what he wanted. But the question was, what was the outcome of it? That's where he met his, he met his Waterloo. The following day, as Samuel put it, he died in the battle. They don't serve God and their goal is our destruction. Unfortunately, they disguise themselves as angels of light. They are not, they are not the light, they are darkness. Satan in the garden of Eden successfully convinced Eve that God was holding back on her and possibly depriving her of something good through her obedience. Saul also felt deprived of what he wanted and felt that he was owed a word about his future, even though he would not repent and give his whole heart to God. The consequences for both Eve and Saul were not only devastating for them, it is also devastating for many, including our state today. The temptation to indulge in this widespread practice will be strong for many, especially like Saul, at a vulnerable moment. But the result of inviting the dark world of medium and spiritists into our life is devastation, not comfort and not light. God knows our future and he holds it and us in his hand. Jesus is all the light that we need. The Holy Spirit brings comfort and light. We must not engage in mediums or spiritists 
and we must teach others to avoid them as well. Not to spoil their fun or to block them from connecting with dead loved ones, but to prevent them from opening doors that leads only to darkness and more death. Let us be spiritually awake and persistent in prayer. When the Lord seems far away, that's when, we can be, when he can be easily reached. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us. Thank you for your words that have gone forth. Father, and plant it in our hearts. Father, may we reflect in your words. May we understand that there is none beside thee. That you are God, our maker, and that you have solution to all our problems, all our challenges, all our trials, whatever that may come. You are